Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. everybody this is go home bible you're drunk an irreverent media podcast where we talk about the bible and we we make fun of it a bit and we make fun of christian culture a bit uh, only because we weren't allowed to for 30 plus years and we're making up for lost time my name is justin i was a pastor for about 15 years or so seminarian evangelical former evangelical ex-evangelical if you will now currently not believer in that any longer and just figuring out life and not putting any borders or boundaries around it. And it's quite liberating and fantastic. I'm uh, joined today across the country by my delightful co-host. Hey, yeah. Hi, I'm Tori. I also was raised fundamentalist Christian and, you know, was at church more often than Jesus. And I've decided that that was not like a super great use of my time, frankly. So now going back, reading through the Bible is a lot more fun because I don't have to weaponize it against like queer people. True. I don't, yeah, I don't have to like try to make it make sense anymore. I can just like be in it and it makes no sense. And it's more fun that way, frankly. Truly. Quite, quite liberating, actually. It's almost like oh, it's a book about liberation. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't say that. You're going to make them hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So definitely have had, um, spent a lot of time in reading the word of God. Didn't, didn't get me anywhere. So here I am. (laughs) This is where it got us. (laughs) This is where it got us. On this leftist atheist podcast where we talk about the Bible. (laughs) It's great here. You should join us. Normally, right around this time in the podcast, we bring you a This Week in Evangelicalism. But this week, as in many weeks, has been quite a shit show in evangelicalism. And we wanted to take a little break because, you know, some weeks it feels like the same shit, different day. And we don't want to keep rehashing that. So we want to talk a little bit, maybe. And not that Tori and I are experts It's more like we're just bringing your attention to something that matters is how to take care of yourself when your former community and maybe your current community even is a bit of a shit show. So just want to talk around that, open up the forum, if you will, to say, let's talk a little bit about how to take care of yourself and not completely disengage. Don't necessarily become an ostrich Mm. uh, unless you need that. That's true. Yeah. Unless you need that. But also like how to maybe assess what is yours to deal with and what is not. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's that, you know, every, I think everybody's, everybody's different, right? Obviously. And, and everybody's body chemistry is different. And so like the influence that like a random post has on you is going to be different when you're eating breakfast versus when you're laying in bed about to go to sleep right? Just the way, the amount of energy that you have and the way that your brain processes things. So yeah, I think it is really good. Like, I think the jumping off point is just frankly being aware of your body, aware of Mm -hmm. your responses when you're online and like acknowledging those things. Cause yeah, I mean, I've definitely had, had entire days that were ruined by like a single tweet. (laughs) And and like, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like that is and I, so I try really hard to not get to that point, like anywhere near that point. Right. Cause usually it's like, I've been out on the interwebs just too long 
Mm-hmm. And I needed to like rein it in and I started fighting with somebody and it just went really poorly. So yeah, I do think that it is really good to be able to kind of assess how you're doing as, as a person, like how your mental health is. And it's really interesting because sometimes for me, like I need to check out and like log into Twitter, right? Like that's like my mental health need at the time. Like I need to put on a show. I need to put on inventing Anna and just like sit and look at my Twitter feed for an hour and a half, you know, and other times like the right thing to do is for me to like throw my phone across the room and go for a walk. So yeah, I've done that. Yes. <laughs> it's, you know, balance. Right. But yeah. I mean, I think that it's like, we have these, we have these nervous systems and these massive brains that do not know how to deal with this, this amount of information constantly being the hardware that we're running is not made not for not for this no nope (laughs) so i think that it's you know it's good to it's good to acknowledge that it's good to recognize that everybody you know everybody's gonna be different different times in your life are going to be more or less stressful like i've noticed a lot of people not even for lent well like a lot of people have been like taking breaks from whatever. And, and, and that, that alone is, is weird. And that, you know, I've done it. I'm not saying it's a weird thing to take a break, but it's interesting because it's like, you have so much community in those spaces, right? Like you have people, like, maybe you don't know them IRL, but people you talk to every single day. And so if you're gone for like four days, somebody's going to notice. So I think that it is, you know, I, I'm not one of those people where I'm like, you don't need to announce that you're leaving, just go. <laughs> well, you know, if somebody, if somebody starts nice. to worry about you, right. Yeah. Or, you know, and if you don't want to do it that way, just like DM a couple a couple of your people and just be like, Hey, long enough for a minute. I'll be back. Here's how to check on me. If that's something that you need, you know, not everybody's mm-hmm. going to need that. And I think that it is like the, the best social media advice for me that I give myself is that not having an opinion on something is a valid opinion. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's actually a smarter opinion than trying to create, like conjure something up as a response to an issue you don't know all the details of. Like you're not required to come up with a solution or a way that you feel about a thing right in the moment. You know, for me, this this week, that thing was the anti-trans bill in Idaho. The way that I process stuff. I kind of process things cognitively before I have an emotional reaction. I don't know why that is, but that's just how I've been. But I also process pretty slowly, right? So it takes me, if something wild is happening on Twitter, like unless it's something I've thought about before, I'm not going to come out like that second and be like, oh my God, what is this? Like what is happening? You know, I need personally, it's smarter for me to just kind of sit and figure out how I feel about a thing right? Like doing some like ethical analysis and then thinking about like, how do I put this in the context of, you know, being in the U S how do I put this in the context of like U S history? How do I put this in the context of world history? Like, what does this mean? Right. Because I think that we are kind of in a, we're in, what was the tweet that was going around for a while? It was like, I'm tired. I, I would really like to go back to living in precedented times. Yeah, precedented times. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, please. Yes. I would enjoy that very much. <laughs> but we keep saying that we live in unprecedented times. And I do think that the the face mask is different for sure. <laughs> but I also think like some of this is very precedented in American Truly. history. Truly. Yes. Like, and so it on, on the one hand, I can go like, yes, sure. But on this is wild. But on the other hand, like state governments making shitty laws about minorities is about as American as apple pie. Truly. It's not new. That is that it is affecting, you know, white kids who happen to be trans. You know, that's maybe new. That's a new low, I suppose. But it's not new in American history. But having that context matters. I think, honestly, Tori, I think that's why a lot of your, when you do have a take, it's good because it's a few days late and you've thought about it. Right. Whereas the people just, just coming right out of the gate with, Uh you know, a manifesto of 14, you know, 14, a 14 tweet thread. Right. Um, That's just like, here's my very privileged ass take. Move out of the state. Like. Most people cannot do that, yeah. sweetie. Oh my god! Stop. Like, yeah, and 
especially states like Texas that are fucking huge. Like, yeah, like this is this is you're talking about moving multiple hours away to a place you probably don't know. Yeah. And have no support system. Like, why would you do that? So and also, if everyone moves away, (laughs) like who's going to vote against this stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, I think for me and I've seen the last, you know, by the time this posts, it'll be the last few weeks. You know, there's been Mm -hmm. various Twitter beefs and TikTok beefs that people have gotten into not naming names or even describing because there'll be a new Twitter beef. Of course. You know, by the time this goes out. And like, I mean, and that's fine. I think that public accountability is a thing. Like, I'm not saying that no one should get in a public spat. But I also think that I can sometimes get over involved in things that do not involve me. And, you know, and then you, you're having takes and you're quote tweeting things that like, does this actually matter? Do you, are you impacted by this? Are you involved in this? And it's like, you know, I'm not. And this is actually like, I'm trying to sit with my kids or my kids are trying to like get my attention as like dad. And I'm off thinking about like, so-and-so doesn't like so-and-so for this reason. And this, you know, you know, post from four months ago is now like, you know, now everyone's talking about it. it's in the discourse. I need to have an opinion. And it's like, does, does do, am I involved in this? Do I need to have a take on this? It's almost like we get this like overinflated sense of like, everyone needs to know our take on everything. Yeah. Our stance on everything. And for sure, which is not and, necessary. And I might not have one or, or I might not know enough. The amount of hours it might take for me to get to the bottom of a Twitter feed. <laughs> Might not be out, worth your time. To find out where I stand, I might at the end of it not. And then I think honestly, I think there's some people like that will do that. And then like four days later, they'll have a take. And then we're like, this is still going on. <laughs> right. Right. And it just keeps yeah. going on and on and on when it's like it, yeah. I I find myself getting caught up in some of these things. And and even the world, like I want to know what's going on in Ukraine. I want to know what's going on with these trans bills. I want to know what my state legislators are doing. But for me, I have to start contextualizing, okay, what do I actually have an impact on? There's not much I can do about Ukraine, honestly. R- really. Truly. There's, there's not much Truly. I can do. I can if I have to do something, I can like call my state senators and say like stop fucking looking at texas <laughs> like right i don't right. know what that's going yeah. to do but like at the end of the day i like, think you really have to get like okay what actually can i do and who and who really do i care about their opinion tori i care about your opinion but i don't necessarily need to like go to twitter to find that out <laughs> yes yeah, um, there are other tools at our disposal sometimes there yeah. And so like, yeah, even our online friends, you don't have to publicly air all of your thoughts to each other. I, I would say that probably the most important, the most important thing that I have used or like learned again, like this is, this is me. I'm I'm not making, I'm not trying to make it prescriptive, just trying to share social media is not good for conflict resolution. So if this is somebody who's actually your people or somebody that like you care about someone that your people care about or know social media is not it. I'm sorry. It's just, that just makes things worse because now you're whatever your conflict is, which could be completely valid has an audience. And that just like ratchets everything up unnecessarily. Right. Because it's not just like, Hey, you did this thing. I think you suck. It's people are watching and listening. So I have to like make this a thing. And so I have, I have had, I have literally, I have had people like had conflict with people online that I know that a lot of my friends, my followers really value these people. And to me, I'm just like, I am not willing to do that. Like, like I literally, I'm trying to think this might've been two years ago, but yeah, I guess it was almost two years ago. I got into this fight that was, it was more of a misunderstanding, right. But it was really frustrating. And like, I was not being heard. And I'm like, nobody, nobody's benefiting from this, like back and forth that's going on, even though like clearly thousands of people can see, like the whole world can see it, but like thousands Uh of people are seeing this conversation. And I just like deactivated my account. I was like, I need to cool the fuck off. This is not, this is not working for me. Nobody is benefiting from seeing this conflict. Like if I need to reach out to this person, I will like when, when the proper time comes, I have told people like, Hey, 
like, can I DM you about this? Because I feel really strongly like you're, you know, a big account coming after one of my personal friends, for example, right? Like, hey, can you, will you DM me? Can I email you? Like, I will call you. Like, I just really want to get this sorted out. And like 280 characters or whatever we get is just insufficient to to handle these kinds of conflicts, right? And, you know, I, like one, like one of, one of the examples that I'm thinking of was I have a dear friend here in Portland and um, they're a full-time caregiver for a family member with mental health needs. And somehow this conflict came up online with something that someone with like a big account had said. And I was just like, I like, this sucks. Like seeing this interaction sucks because I know where this person is coming from, mm-hmm. but I can't just go like, Hey, you don't get it. They do this work. That's where they're coming from because that's not my information to share. So I was just like, Hey, can I like DM you or email you? Because this is a person I care about. And I don't think that this back and forth is getting us anywhere. And most people are pretty open to that. Honestly, like I've, I've called people, DM people. I do not know just to be like, what is going on? Right. Like, can we get to the bottom of this? I would like some clarification. And again, like, I, I don't think that people are generally served by like, like there's, there's a difference between like education and like entertainment in terms of conflict online. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that there, there's definitely space for conflicts online, but like, if it's just, if it's just turning into like a shit show to me, my personal, like my personal standard, I guess, is I'm like, I'm not going to do this online, like publicly. Right. And it's, like I said, it's worked pretty well for me. Like I've been able to like keep respect for a lot of people that I probably would have just written off otherwise. So yeah, that's how, that's how I do it at least. And I think having those boundaries of, and it's not like, it's like the, you know, people that say like, I don't know what porn, I know porn when I see it, but I can't define it. Like, like like when a conflict goes from like education or like even kind of a fun back and forth to a shit show that line, it's like, there's not a, there's not like a, no, there's not like, you have to listen to your own nervous system on that. There is a feeling. Yeah. You know, I had a, a tweet about abortion a few years ago that was retweeted by a couple large accounts you know, and it was a good take. Like I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm getting a little, getting a little mm. clout online, you know, but you don't really want to go viral, especially with a tweet about abortion. Cause you know, after a while it was like, I like Twitter is now giving me anxiety. I joke about like traditional Catholics and Tertullian, but that's only because like I was getting drug with like quotes from Tertullian on this. <laughs> you know? I'm like, why? I, I, I don't even know how to articulate how much I don't care about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also like bl- clogging my feed from my friends, you know? So I mm-hmm. think you, you do like, this was the hardest thing for me. Cause I feel like I have to have the answer for everything or I have to have a response, you know, like, right. Right. You can just, yes. mute the t- you can just mute it. Yes, absolutely. Like, I, I have actually started doing that now almost out of, uh, out of almost as a policy. Like if I mm-hmm. have a tweet that goes big after a day and a half, I just mute it. Like, oh yeah. Like I very I much just, have a 20, if people are still interacting with something 24 hours later, I'm like, this is not, this is no longer mine. Go yeah. with God. Like I'm, I'm I don't glad, care. <laughs> I'm glad you care about it. I've ceased to care about right. my hot take from. Cause it's a tweet. It's yeah. a tweet. Like it's yeah. not, it's, you know, it's like McDonald's French fries. Like, yeah, you can still eat it if it falls on the floor in your car, like the next day, <laughs> but why it's, would you want to do that? Yeah. Go grab a fresh tweet from somewhere else. <laughs> right. Please. Yeah, like I think 24 hours is kind of my limit. I'm just like, okay, yeah, you know what? Just... If if World War Three happens because of something I tweeted about trans kids being real people too, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh well, this is this is like I have boundaries, so enjoy. And I think those you have to have figure out your boundaries. Like I think you and I both talked about taking breaks from Twitter on the weekends. And I think I even used to have that in my bio for a while. Like I'm not on Twitter on the weekends. And I think taking those meaningful breaks, even if it's not, even Twitter is not your thing, whatever your thing is, Facebook <laughs> triggers my nervous system. Oh my God. I still cannot get on there. It's been six years. <laughs> I still get on every now and then, but it's, you know, I see people's posts like, let's go Brandon. And I, like my instinct is to be like, Hey, you know, that means fuck Joe Biden. I don't know if you realize that. Or sometimes I want to be like, hey, you know, that means fuck Donald Trump. 
like just to see like if they would respond you know <laughs> like that actually means fuck donald trump no it means fuck joe biden oh uh, i don't know i think it means fuck donald trump i'm pretty sure i heard somebody alex jones said yeah alex jones said it's actually a subversive the lizard people want you to say let's go brandon like you could get into that it's a false and, flag attack yeah, it's a false flag yeah <laughs> like, and but then i'm like how much energy do i want to give to this like thing that's amusing to me in my head but could grow into something that like Mm -mm. will impact my real life like yeah i don't i'm like i don't want to if i don't want to babysit a tweet i will straight up fucking delete it like do not care (laughs) yeah if that's something that's if that's something that's going on you know and i try to be like i try to be really thoughtful with with what i share and on twitter especially i try to be very careful about the words that i use like the very, like very using very specific language in order to communicate what I, you know, what my values are, what my ethics are without necessarily like universalizing everything. Right. If I'm going to make like some kind of universal statement, like I'm going to do my fucking research first. And so, yeah, like this is just how I've learned to like navigate these things and to take care of my nervous system as best I can. And, and yeah, like Everybody in my family is better served if we just go for a hike on Saturday and like don't have self-service. Like all of us are better off. <laughs> Mom's better without the internet. Yeah, truly, <laughs> yeah. truly. It's like, there's no signal. This is great. This is how life is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. And I think having ADHD at least helps me in that because I will hide my phone. And then like forget I, where you put it. And then I'll, yeah, I'll like put it on a shelf somewhere. And then if I can get over that initial, like, I like, oh, crap, I do. What is a phone? <laughs> like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, and that serves the people I care about. Yeah. The people in proximity to you. And that, and that's more important it, it, to me. I'm, it's more important. And you, to your point earlier, like sometimes my nervous system does need a little veg out Twitter time. Absolutely. And to post something just stupid, like a random mm-hmm. thought about bananas, like, mm-hmm. and that, and that's fine too. Like that is not a bad thing. That is, that is, that is coping. That is a certain amount of self-care, but that can turn into doom scrolling quickly. And right. you know, having those parameters, I think you've muted like so many triggering words. I, yeah. Here. Yeah. I have. I'm like, I've, you know, I'm, I, I muted NFTs cause I was just like, <laughs> the Lord has given me a short time on this earth. I do not, I do not have the energy or the time. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've, I've muted a lot of, a lot of terms around religion. Cause I found myself like getting into these. And for me, it was just fucking funny. Right. And like somebody would be somebody sincerely religious, like sincerely evangelical would say a thing. And I would say like, this is why you're fucking dumb. And it would just be funny to me, but then Twitter starts suggesting all of these tweets about religion. And I'm like, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> the algorithm has decided that I am a believer. Yeah. That is not good for me. <laughs> if the algorithm doesn't know that you're dragging them. The algorithm right. just like, knows you, that's what you respond to. That's what you interact with. Yes. So yeah, I, muting terms. I've really, I didn't do that for most of, most of the time that that feature has been available, but I have started using it more recently. And like, you can time them. So you can mute it for like 30 days. Or you can mute it forever, like whatever, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. Jerry Falwell Um, has been muted forever. Yes. For me. Truly. (laughs) And and you want to get blocked super fast? DM me about Bitcoin or something. Like (laughs) get blocked immediately. Yeah, because yeah, I have a short time on this earth and there's only I mean, I love a good shit post, but totally, absolutely. Like there, there, there are memes from like 10, 15 years ago that still bless me. <laughs> so like that is valid also. Yeah. <laughs> like there are tweets that are still, they're just as good as the second they came out. And I think that like, that is, that's that. Yeah. Like you said, that's also self-care. Yeah. That, that is art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this tweet should go in a frame. I, yeah, I've done that before. I've, I've printed tweets out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, humans, I mean, we're amazing creatures and we're creative and lovely, but sometimes we need a break from each other. And We have limits. Yeah, and th- these are some unprecedented, precedented <laughs> times. And I think, you know, oh, man. serving yourself 
you don't have to always be the one giving the response. Mm-hmm. You know, there will mm-hmm. be someone out there to respond to the problematic tweet or the problematic take or the news story going on. Someone will do it. It doesn't have to be you, but not everyone is going to be in the situation you're going to be in, in IRL, the, you know, you know, you might have to deal with shit. So, so yeah, that's, that's just our little PSA to take mm-hmm. care of yourself and some stuff that we found helpful and hopefully you find things helpful as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do a quick capitalism and then we've got Sweet. some folks to celebrate and then hey. uh, St. Patrick to talk about. All right, we are back. So thanks for enjoying that bit of capitalism. We have a couple patrons to give life verses to. Um, oh, yeah. We have a new youth pastor, Allison. So thank you very much for your spoiling of the youth, <laughs> corrupting of the youth, if you yes. will. Corrupting the youth. So I think you know, both Tori and I have Bibles because uh, we have two folks to give um, verses to. So Tori, you want to give Allison yeah. her verse? Yeah, absolutely. I will do that. For those of you that don't know, while Tori is flipping through the Bible, we give folks that pledge to the youth pastor tier and above a life verse that is theirs for eternity, or really as long as they want it. If they want to give it up as death, that's fine. But it's theirs for a while because it's from the Lord. Oh boy, this is interesting. Okay, so I've got right now, ooh, I've got Philippians 127, which is actually a real verse that people know sometimes. <laughs> Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. There you go. So Paul is watching. He's <laughs> like, I might come see you. I might not, which is, which is truly the most Paul thing to yeah. write. But I feel like that's a good energy to have. Right? I, might, I might come and see you, <laughs> but I might not. You need to behave the same way regardless. Yeah. Act like I'm coming to see you. But it's that's what, that's that what us ADHD people need, yeah. right? Because otherwise we won't keep our homes clean. True. <laughs> you have to have somebody that can just drop in on you at any moment. For real. All right. Uh, we also have Kaylee this week. Kaylee is our new seer. We It's not a mm. tier we get very often, but the, the seer, ooh, it's an unofficial position in the church, but the church of go home Bible, the church of go home Bible, the seer sees all things. So thanks Kaylee for being a seer. You also get a life verse. So I will randomly flip through the Holy writ and you will get a life verse. Okay. Um, uh, where is oh this is Galatians. This might be oh also one that people wow. know. This is going to be Galatians 5:13. But you or you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Oh. So, it's not bad advice, frankly. It's not bad advice. It's not the, wor- it's not the worst advice. I'm going to say. Use yeah. your freedom. But you know, don't be a dick about it. That'd be another way to say it. Be free. Perfect. Mm-hmm. But be cool. And 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 not a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. This is, I that. love how we reinterpret Paul. Just like, yeah, we're going to dusty this verse up a little bit. We're going to make this verse good. Less triggering, maybe. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Be free and be cool. Just be chill about it. So thank you, Kaylee, for being free and being cool. Yes, indeed. So today, uh, who are we talking? Is, is there a holiday coming up here? I don't, I don't think, I don't believe in holidays, so I don't know. The only holidays I celebrate include nudity. (laughs) So this is, this is one of them. This is one (laughs) of them. This is one of my days. (laughs) Yeah. This is one of your days, your special day story. Oh God. No, I don't, I don't. I mean, corned beef and hash is fucking delicious. It is true. Irregardless. I just said that to make people angry. Um, We're going to talk about St. Patrick, the one and only one of the firstest saints. Yeah. One of the first saints to that people remember. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like St. Patrick definitely is like one of the cool kids in the saint club, like gets way more attention than most of the other saints. Say almost say, all of them. I would say between St. Patrick and St. Francis, mm-hmm. like those are the kind of the, the rock stars of Saintdom. Yeah. For the folks who weren't, who aren't actual Bible characters, <laughs> they're very up there. Oh my gosh. Okay. Were your parents weird? Was your school weird about 
St. Patrick's Day? Were they like, this is a good thing and tried to make it like a Christian thing? Or were they like leprechauns or demons? You can't talk about this. I don't know. I think we're relatively ambivalent about St. Patrick's Day, at least in evangelicalism. I mean, yeah, we wore green just like for fun, even though mm-hmm. St. Patrick's color was probably blue. Right. Um, it just, you know, he's been associated with Ireland, Ireland green, you know. So, so yeah, there was that. And it wasn't probably wasn't until maybe college and like my 20s when I started like getting more interested in St. Patrick, but because you could drink. Well, because you could drink, but I well, also I think it was, I think we had talked about it a few weeks ago about kind of exoticizing the Christian faith. Like Celtic Christianity seemed so interesting to me. And you know, so there was you know, a lot of the, that kind of stuff was going on. So I was like, Oh, Patrick. So he's like the patron saint of Celtic Christianity, which is like spoiler alert, like isn't much different than regular Christianity. It just, it seemed more exotic at the time. And so that's what I went with. It just had cooler symbols. They had much cooler symbols and there are, there were cooler things about it, but realistically they just celebrated Easter at a different time. Mm-hmm. And the bigger part of the Catholic church got mad about it. The bigger, the bigger part, the bigger part, the organized nice. Catholic church. Well, it's because Christianity was allowed to develop in Ireland largely kind of on its own for a while. Right. And then, yeah, because nobody, everybody was like, oh, fuck these guys. Yeah, this is, this isn't Rome. Like, you know, why would we care? And so Patrick went and, you know, Christianity flourished on the island. And I I can say this about St. Patrick. I mean, there's a lot of people that will have a lot of feelings about, you know, the, the Christianization of pagan Ireland and valid, valid feelings. I will say there is no evidence of like forced conversion in the sense of like bloody, like, um, convert or die, convert or die type stuff. So I I will say for his credit, not that St. Patrick was the first or only person to try to evangelize Ireland, I guess. Good for you. You didn't kill people (laughs) in order to convert them. So yeah, yeah I, that's what, great. Did you learn that's a good point? What did you learn about St. Patrick in your early days as an evangelical? Well, one of our one of our neighbors that we were actually allowed to play with because they were Catholic. Hmm. And so St. Patrick's Day was like, it's it's a it's a church day. Like it, you know, for most of Irish history, it's been a church holiday. And actually, pubs were closed. They had to be closed legally on St. Patrick's Day because it was a holy day nice. in Ireland. Obviously, in North America, we were just like, no, fuck that shit. Nope. <laughs> so it was kind of like it was kind of a fun thing, you know, because like our, our little neighbor friend, like we would his mom would have like cute little like, I don't know. It's like cute little like decorations or like a craft for us to do or something like that. Yeah. Like she was super, super chill. So and interestingly, like my Mom didn't get really mad about that, right? Because there we do like a leprechaun hunt in their nice. backyard. They had a massive backyard. And so we would do like a little leprechaun hunt. And I'm surprised that my mom let us participate, but she did. And honestly, like that's like one of my fondest memories. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was like, this is, I don't know. It was just like, so I loved like running around and like playing imaginary stuff as a kid. Like that was yeah. just, it was so good. And that was just one of those times it was like oh we're definitely we're gonna find a motherfucking leprechaun today bitch yeah. and yeah. <laughs> it was, so that it was you know it was kind of fun in my like my parents weren't really into like we would forget that it was a thing which is something you can do when you're homeschooled it's not something you can do when you go to public school mm-hmm. <laughs> so apparently it's like hey you have to wear green or be assaulted these are your choices <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> unconsensual pinching will happen <laughs> Whose idea was this? Yeah. It was clearly some, it was clearly some Catholic nun's idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eric. Well, because Tori, because you're not wearing green, you are consenting to be pinched. Mm, that, that's true. That would be that's how that a works. Very, that would be a very Christian way of understanding consent. Yes. Yes. So I didn't actually really know that much about like the actual person named Patrick, but I did this is I, like, I love this about American holidays. I'm not going to lie is the way that we just like force them down everybody else's throats and <laughs> people like Americans would go to Ireland for St. Patrick's day and nothing was happening. And yeah. so they decided to like make it a tourism thing in the nineties. 
<laughs> because all these people were showing up and like the bars were closed. Yeah, like as I understand it, St. Patrick's Day, if it's celebrated at all in Ireland, is a lot more like Thanksgiving, like in mm-hmm. the vibe and the feel. It is not Mardi Gras. But they have they've really capitalized on on American tourism and like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how how making people works, apparently, but there are more Irish people in the U.S. than there are in Ireland by like a factor of a thousand or something like it's ridiculous. There are more people that claim Irish descent. Yes. Right. Right. I'm just like, is that okay? Okay, I guess. I mean, Um, I would technically be I could technically claim to be Irish American were I to choose so because I have Irish ancestry, but I would say a lot of Irish Americans, quote unquote, you're an American. Quit trying to be exotic. No, I mean, I will say that like, I mean, it stuff got, stuff got a little twisted, but obviously in 1845, when people started fleeing because the British were starving the Irish just for shits, I guess. And, and people started fleeing Ireland and coming to the States. Like they were very kind of like looked down upon. Being Irish is an interesting case in like privilege studies. Well, well, like in like pre I'm trying to think how to even word this, like early on in whiteness or maybe middle Mm -hmm. whiteness, there were a lot of, there were a lot of like delineations about who was white. Yes. And yeah. like Irish people weren't Irish white. People were Greek not white. people like, weren't white. Greek, Jewish people yeah. weren't white. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Eastern Europeans were, you know, swarthy people. Like there was, they were referring to Irish people as apes in England. Like the prime minister in like during the time of uh, Benjamin, is it Benjamin D. Israeli? Mm-hmm. Was referring to Irishmen so. as apes. Like Jesus. And all of oh the God. derogatory racist terms that get thrown around here in the United States was he was like yeah. and, and you know, like people could look at an Irish person and tell, like, oh, they're Irish. Look at them, those you know, dirty ape like Irish people. Oh, I don't like, okay. So okay, I guess. Yeah, whatever. You know, I we aren't racist in the nineteen in the early nineteen hundreds, so we can't tell. But <laughs> so but it is an interesting case study in like being absorbed into whiteness over time in the sense that like there was a very clear like this person is not part of the privileged group but they seem close enough so eventually if they assimilate properly they'll get let in yeah yeah which is like that 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 history is really fucking interesting to me as someone who studies this and like does anti-racism work as my job like my day job yeah like the the fact that Irish people, I like Irish people had to live in the ghetto, right? With like Jewish people and black people and Puerto Rican people. Like they were not allowed to live in like white housing until there was this like slum removal project going on with the federal government and the PWA, the Public Works Administration. So they were getting rid of these slums and then building project housing. And in that, in that process, they were splitting everybody up by race. So there was like, these are the projects for black people. These are the projects for white people. And that was part, that was part of what got Irish people into whiteness was that was, they were trying to like separate people out by race, but it was like, we're only kind of doing these two options. We're not going to leave these people here. So I guess Mm -hmm. they go with the whites. And St. Patrick's Day parades in the United States started as more like, you know, Irish indentured servants, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to celebrate their, you know, culture and get together. But also they started turning into not quite, they weren't 100% like labor marches, but they Mm -hmm. started to carry on that feel of like, we are protesting for equal rights under the law. Yeah. You know, because we are not part of this construct called whiteness. We're not considered American. You know, I, one of my favorite movies, sometimes I watch it on St. Patrick's Day, is Gangs of New York. And it, but it illustrates a lot of this, you know, very like, you uh-huh. know, America for Americans. But it's like <laughs> everyone's white, but y'all hate each other. <laughs> like, and there's like a lot of this delineation of race, which I think a lot of us, there's nuances there that we just don't understand now. But so, yeah, the, the origin of the St. Patrick's Day parade was yeah. very much a protest parade for equal rights. It feels like, and I, I love that it, it feels so defiant, right? Like I don't, I don't love anybody getting subsumed by whiteness just because it's like, well, that's, that's not a good trade-off for Mm -hmm. anybody, but yeah, like it was, it feels, it felt really defiant that people would show up in the streets, like as, as marginalized people would show up in the streets of like major cities in this country during Jim Crow and just be like, look, we're here too, motherfucker. Like 
what's good. And that, that to me is really, really cool. Yeah. Because it was like, obviously they were all working class people. Like that's kind of a, that's just like historical in the zeitgeist, like Irish working class. Like that was just the thing. Right. But yeah, I like, I love, I, I like, I love that like kind of defiant spirit and like claiming your own humanity in the face of whiteness, I think is pretty Mm -hmm. fucking cool. Yeah, and that's and that's that's why I you know I th- I think honestly in a lot of ways that's why I latched on to St. Patrick and the mm. the part of my ancestry that is Irish even though what ancestry that can be traced is you know was actually came before the potato famine for me but but still that like you know the parts of my ancestry that were Irish and were Scottish as well like you know Scottish ancestry is not quite as celebrated here in the United States but but that same being oppressed by British people. <laughs> <laughs> something Scott, something Scottish, we all have in common, have in common. yeah um <laughs> you know I, I do think that there is a certain you know there is a a draw to that which you know you could, you could really go down a rabbit hole on but i do think that you know that was a piece of my ancestry that i think a lot of people latch onto. i think it's why saint patrick in some ways the more serious sides of saint patrick have taken off i think amongst white people or white christians because you know, St. Patrick historically uh, was, there's debate as to whether St. Patrick was one person or the person we can't, the, whatever. That's I, valid. We're, yeah. we're not deep diving into all of that, but he was probably a Roman, a privileged Roman that was mm. captured uh, in Britain, that was captured by Irish slavers and taken to Ireland, was probably, you know, was basically forced to be a shepherd the one very few we don't really have very many accurate accounts of his life but he refers to that time as just basically one of nakedness hunger and pain that mm. is how he describes it because you're just alone with the sheep and they're like here's a rag to keep yourself Fuck warm it's fucking cold out and raining yeah. yeah he eventually escapes and you know finds religion apparently and decides to go back to ireland as an evangelist and kind of history from there which again is like, it's kind of brazen. It's kind of ballsy yeah. to like yeah. go back. Yeah. Like, okay. Like the fugitive slave going openly in front of truly, former truly. there's and, some risk involved in yeah, that. Like there's, there are, there's a lot of themes. I mean, again, like I can understand the critique of being like, you destroyed pagan, you know, historic Ireland. Fair. Absolutely. Yeah. But I also think that there are, there are things about his, you know, legacy that I find interesting. You know, there is this, you know, former slave, you know, preaching, speaking good news, if, you know, whatever you wanted to say good news is in front of him, you know, and using those scars as like an indictment of the system, Mm. I feel like is that's, I'm good. I'm, I'm good with that. So, you know, this, this person that was a forced immigrant, eventually becomes the beloved symbol of his entire nation. That's, that's not even his nation. Like he was that, adopted. Yeah, he was it was a, just, it's just, yeah, it's kind of wild yeah, in a was, cool, very cool way. I think yeah. there are some aspects to it that are rad. Yeah. And generally, you know, Patrick's Christianity seemed to be more feminist, uh, you know, huh. feminist for the time, for always the time. put the asters there. You know that there were women leaders you know and and so i mm, okay. i find that to be interesting and part yeah. of that was just irish culture you know mm. in most pagan cultures that weren't greco-roman you know women could be diplomats priestesses rulers you know so i it's interesting that you know patrick's brand of christianity goes in there and for the most part like a lot of that stuff like eh, look, women can be leaders like why wouldn't they be I feel like there's a certain pragmatism there that I feel like can I can I can be down with that. And and the fact that, you know, again, the legacy in this country is at least initially this same kind of defiance of these people that probably, you know, came here for survival, you know, came here because they had nothing and being like, we're going to force you to see us. Unfortunately, they were seen and they were like, here, you can come sit at the table. Right. Um, you just have to be a racist now. You just, yeah. No big deal. As long as you're a racist. We don't learn a lot of this stuff. And it's like, it's very, because it's very kind of like liberation oriented. And I think that that's why, that's why, you know, I fuck with St. Patrick a little bit because of that. Yeah. And I, I do find it interesting, like how, I mean, most of us, if you go back far enough for, for most humans, honestly, your people group was fucked over by whiteness. 
at some point. You know, I've mentioned yeah, like who are... you know Scottish and Irish ancestors. Like you know, yeah. and I have British ancestors too. So like I'm both part of the right. my ancestry is both part of the problem and you know part of the oppressed. But I, I do find it interesting, like the and this was real oppression. You know, in Scotland, going in just beating people, stripping oh, their absolutely. culture away, making the language illegal. It was, it was genocide. Yeah. That that's that's like, genocide. Yeah, is what real. that is. It was. You know, and then like you know, taking away all of their you know indigenous you know farming practices to do these cash crops that you know, and that's what happened in Ireland, where you know all of a sudden it's like monoculture, and like mm-hmm. one bug comes in and destroys everything. People starve. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they're just Irishmen. I guess we'll send them off to America where they're having a war. And so, yeah, it's it's a very legitimate thing. Obviously, it happens. It's it's a different resolution to that oppression than people of color. Absolutely. So it's certainly not the same. But I also think, yeah, like people trying to reclaim their culture and reclaim who they were after whiteness tried to pave over it. I think that's a good thing. And I, you know, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like there's a, there's in, in, in like Irish history in Scottish history, like the things that have been, have been kept, the things that have been preserved that weren't completely destroyed. Like, I I think that those things are really beautiful. Like indigenous European cultures are also gorgeous, right? It's not necessarily your fault that you got screwed over by Britain at some point in the last millennium. (laughs) (laughs) because um, guaranteed you did. But yeah, I think that the the parts of of those cultures that have been able to be preserved are really, really gorgeous. And that's one of the things that's like really frustrating to me about Christianity in general is just like the complete erasure of all kinds of cultures and mm-hmm. people groups and languages mm-hmm. and imagery and like storytelling. And it's just it's that to me is like really heartbreaking because like all of these things kind of emerged on their own of their own volition with like a very specific group of people. And I find all of that to be really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think that whiteness is a, is a loss for white people too, frankly. Yeah. And thankfully a lot of a fair amount of Irish culture and literature was preserved by Irish monks, mostly because of whatever you want to call the Christianity that Irish, you know, people develop that developed in Ireland, whether it's, you know, Celtic Christianity or whatever. Some Mm -hmm. of those names are a little problematic, but, you know, they preserved a lot of their cultural stories. Not, not, not enough for a lot of people, but certainly more than say like indigenous French mythology. Is there even Mm. such a thing anymore? You know, you know, or Italian myth. I mean, it it exists, but it is certainly much less than in places that were kind of on the fringes of the Roman empire, you know, because, you know, I'm guessing by the time Christianity expanded to that point, they were like, "Mm, maybe we ought to not destroy everything. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this is just a good story. We'll practice writing this one down before we write down the Bible. So yeah, it, yeah. It, and, and St. Patrick is is fascinating to me just as a, even as a myth, one of the first Christian bishops, someone of that high up to actually condemn slavery. Which makes sense. If you, if you, if you were a slave, like that makes a lot of sense. I, I ain't down I mean, with slavery. <laughs> maybe you should cut that shit out guys. Yeah. It's not cool. Guys, I was a slave. It's not fun. And now I'm a Christian bishop, so you have to listen to me. So, yeah, and that's one of the very few letters, um, his letter to, I forget, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, some Celtic, you know, mouthful of consonants. Um, (laughs) So, you know, king mouthful of consonants cut out the slavery. Now, his principal argument was the people you're enslaving are Christians because I Christianized them. So don't enslave them. So is it perfect? No, no, but it's progress. (laughs) oh my gosh yeah yeah i mean it's like this is and this is what's really interesting at least for me in my in my line of work is that there is there actually is like a shit ton of nuance in this stuff people very frequently just sort of check out of like if you if you hear like the word whiteness right people a lot of people just like check out or it's like you're being reverse racist or whatever right but i think i think that Ireland is a really kind of acute example. Ireland and Scotland, honestly, in the in US history, especially, are really, are really kind of acute, concise examples of like how whiteness works and how oppression works, right? Because race is a very new construct, but obviously, like oppression has been around a little longer <laughs> than <Yeah>. racism. So <laughs> but yeah, I think that again, like learning, learning this history is just it's good for people. At least that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I I think it for me it was very 
for lack of a better term, liberating, mm-hmm. um, to begin to see those nuances and to see, I mean, and I think, I almost think colonization or colonizer politics or colonizer religion might be a better term, at least when it comes to white people, because it's less triggering. It, there's less reverse racism. Because it's, people don't feel, it's not an existential threat, right? People don't see themselves as colonizers even though they are. And I think that that, that can help. Like that can help if you're trying to have a conversation with someone like not activating their nervous system is sometimes a good thing to do. Yeah. Because I I think honestly it wasn't. And and again, this can be, this is going to sound like a very old white guy statement, but it really (laughs) wasn't until I began seeing all of these systems of, of oppression working together that it became a lot easier to recognize them and began to see like, Oh, okay. Like that's what's happening. Oh, that happened to me as well. And that can easily turn into like, I have, I have a few friends that are like, yeah, I was oppressed too. They'll have that response to black people or people of color or indigenous people. Like, no, that's right. not, that's, we're, we're not trying to get you to empathize so that you can like one up <laughs> people, but it is to be like this, this construct has colonized all of us to varying degrees. And how do we disentangle it? How do we decolonize now? I think when you can convince someone that, hey, you are also like a victim of this to a certain degree, and mm-hmm. we're all trying to get, we're all trying to liberate together. I think that's important. I've, I've yeah. brought up a theologian, Matthew Fox, a few times. He wrote a book called Creation Spirituality that was really formative for me. And essentially he talks about liberation theology, but he's like, he's like white folks, like you need to stop appropriating liberation theology from like James Coney and, and others. Yeah. But you yeah. do, but you do need to have your own liberation theology. Like you need liberated too. It's going to look different for you though, because, but you are also a victim of this and you need to be this, you need to ha- be liberated. And I, I found, I remember that was very formative for me in the sense that like, oh, like I'm not trying to liberate other people. I mean, I do need to do that, but also I too need liberated from it because I do think a lot of white people walk into spaces unaware and they're like, we're going to evangelize you. We're going to make everything better for you. Like, um, like that, that's not, that's, you're doing the same thing over and over again and you don't even realize it. Yeah. The only, I don't know, the only kind of downside, I guess, to St. Patrick's Day is there actually isn't any official nudity. It's just, if things get really out of hand, it's incidental nudity. It's incidental. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's only, it's a sign of a great St. Patrick's Day <laughs> if it progresses to that point. Oh man. You know what? I didn't, I also didn't realize that like St. St. Patrick's day is always on like the same date. It's always on March 17th. Didn't realize (laughs) that until this year. (laughs) I'm very observant. You guys. You're just like all of a sudden, like it's time to hunt the leprechauns. (laughs) (laughs) It was all, I mean, it was very much like, it was very much a surprise holiday Mm. every time. It's like, Oh yeah, that's the thing. Okay. I didn't my know. my mom one year, um, she agreed to have the kids over for like on a weekend, and it happened to be St. Patrick's Day. And our kids like told her like, "Hey, you know, the leprechaun comes on St. Patrick's Day." I did not tell them this. I did right, not, of course, I did not do this. Somebody told them this. Well, my mom, being my mom, like did like this leprechaun extravaganza, like hunt at her house. Like, and the oh. leprechaun was a prankster. So like pulled toilet paper out of places and she'd like had like food coloring where it was like it's little footprints everywhere and like it's gold. So it's the cutest thing ever, but it was like a massive production, <laughs> which now I have to do. Mm. <laughs> Remember? You know, True. Like, True. That, I, but it's actually become a, like a fun tradition because they usually now go to my mom's house around St. Patrick's Day and they do their whole like the leprechaun. They just like set up traps for it. It's really cute. But, like, but did not <laughs> like they just it just make became this thing. And I, you know, that's fun. You know, are as leprechauns and stuff kind of trivializing, trivializing sometimes, you know, yeah, maybe, but I think it also like letting kids just have fun and not being serious like i will yeah. do that as many times as i can so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of weird holidays that strange mystical creatures come to our house that we try to trap <laughs> yeah we have a good time with it that's amazing you should try to catch an angel sometime <laughs> that would be terrifying for your children <laughs> yes. maybe maybe not i don't, don't want to like please go away can you leave whirling ball of eyes and wings <laughs> <laughs> 
can you leave we're, this house? We're, we're trying to go to bed. This yeah. is not helping. Please, like, unless you're the sexy kind of angel, I don't want to see you. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Mm, no, pretty sure everything in my nervous <laughs> system is telling me to be afraid right now. <laughs> Oh man, that'd be funny. I hope somebody does like some prankster video where they put together like a whole ass real angel costume and then just like walk into <laughs> buildings like in the middle of the night and just like see what reaction they get. Have you seen the videos of like the like yeah, people like walking through a hall and like someone like jumps out with a velociraptor or something? Yes, <laughs> like, so good. God. So good. Oh man, yeah. So yeah, a whirling angel costume would be <laughs> someone wants to make that. Yes. I'm telling you, there is an audience of at least two. <laughs> that would really dig it. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's great. We so, we just give away so many great ideas on here. It's true. It's wonderful. It's true. So, um, if you're going to cast St. Patrick, who are you? Who are you going to cast in the role of St. Patrick? Well, I feel like it now. I feel like it has to be someone Irish, and that is weird. Yeah, because I, I don't. Mean, I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at the level of being able to identify Irish actors. Just on site. <laughs> you're, not, you're not racist <laughs> enough. To, like... God damn it. That's so um, funny. There's really, there is, I feel like there's only one answer to this question. Really? Okay. I want to hear what this answer is. I, I feel like it, it's Liam Neeson. Like he uh, is, he is yes. the, the one actor that I feel like, and he, he's, he's played, you know, famous, you know, Irish folk in, in previous movies you know michael collins and other ones you know i like it so, yeah. so that's another one i'll I'll watch sometimes on saint patrick's day but yeah that's a good one i will go with that i approve yeah i feel like that's that is that is the answer for that question so yeah so yeah i tend to watch like michael collins gangs of new york send them as far and away if if my spouse has something to say about it that's the tom cruise movie where he attempts to do an irish accent the whole time mm. and, and almost succeeds but like bad Irish accents are so funny. They're, they're the best. They are the it's best. It's kind of it's, amazing. It's, actually, it's a cute movie anyway, but it's it is funny like watching him and Nicole Kidman do Irish accents. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. For two hours. The Irish accent is a difficult accent to consistently do. I will say it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like I'm not an accent person, but it's mm-hmm. it's tough. It is. It is difficult. I think the only one more difficult might be Boston, which is like a subset mm-hmm. of Irish accent. Right. Me. Yes. <laughs> like, it's a dialect of the Irish yeah. accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a pigeon of Irish English. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, which makes it even harder, I think. Um, Truly. Because there's not a lot of consistency. But um, yeah, it's a difficult one to do. But yeah, so if you celebrate St. Patrick's Day, uh, enjoy it this week uh, or a year or you know get, you, get naked on saint patrick's day you do you baby when you're drunk. <laughs> yes green green beer apparently which is very authentic to <laughs> to ireland ireland in the 400s yeah <laughs> i don't know if you know this no Irish i think saint patrick did a miracle where he turned the river you, green right <laughs> And then they just use that water to make their beer. And so the beer was mm-hmm. obviously green. Yeah. And and there was a like a reverse plague of snakes where they all left the island. That's really isn't isn't that a thing though, that there actually aren't any snakes? Because there are on no that... snakes on <laughs> Ireland. The the legend is that St. Patrick scared them away, but that's of not... course, yeah. No, that's really funny though. Yes, but there are no snakes indigenous to the Emerald Isle. Hmm. Which is, which is just an interesting fact to me and and irish elk are insane creatures like irish elk yeah they're not i forget the actual like technical name for them but they're these you know they're they don't exist anymore they were hunted to extinction but they were like oh the the racks on these things tori (laughs) were truly impressive i'm gonna i'm gonna google this this is amazing you should so, but we're going to wrap this up while Tori's Googling Irish elk. Oh, wow. Okay. We're going we're to wrap this up. We, this is Go Home Bible. You're drunk. You can check us out on the socials at Go Home Bible on either Twitter or Instagram. Uh, my name is Justin Gentry. You can see Justin D. Gentry on the Twitters. Uh, Tori is at Tori Glass on all the things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you are able, we'd love for you to check out our Patreon, you know, like really get into celebrating St. Patrick's Day and then just there go on go. Patreon, see what happens. But any monetary support, we definitely appreciate. If you can't do that, that's fine. A five-star review would be amazing. We very much appreciate that. Or just share with yes. a friend. Say, hey, St. Patrick's Day. I want you to listen to this with me. Maybe it could be the start of something amazing. There you go. Love it. All right, friends. Have a lovely St. Patrick's Day. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.